What is up, podcast listeners? Thank you for giving me a few moments of your day to listen to this podcast. This is the Matt Baxter Show. I'm your host, Matt Baxter, and this podcast is about purpose, passion, and calling. Super stoked to have you as a listener because we're going to dive into some awesome, intense stories about people who are going through this journey of this thing called life, and we're all just figuring this out together. But seriously, you're giving me a little bit of your time, and I want to make sure it's valuable and worthwhile. So have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was getting this podcast off the ground, we first started as the Wedgecast, evolved into the Matt Baxter Show. There was a lot of questions that we had, like, how do I record an episode? How do I get my show in all the different places like Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, Zencaster, all these different places. And yet it just seemed very, very complicated. But the simple thing for us as we began to navigate the waters is the answer to every single one of these questions, questions excuse me, was really simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. Yeah, free. And it's ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise in your podcast. That means you can get paid podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, making money. Okay, it's sweet. It's easy. It's not a big cheap plug on an ad, but it's just simple and easy to use. So for us, it's one of the best parts about it is we can do it entirely remote or in studio. So you can record, you've got that really, really high, you know, high in the sky person that you're going to have as a guest on your podcast. You got to do it remote. Anchor is easy to use. You got people who are willing to come to your studio, your house, your office, wherever you're recording it. Boom. Anchor. Love it. Simple, easy, simple and easy to use. So if you ever want to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. Join me in the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. Hanging out on this episode of the podcast with Manal Josie Ackley. She's going to be proud of me that I got the pronunciation of her two last names right. She is the CEO and founder of a company called Open Elevator, which is helping companies decrease turnover in a systematic research base, but still managing and caring for people. This organization is phenomenal. They're in startup mode and they're scaling quickly and they're doing some amazing work. On this episode, we're talking shop about basically how do you care about people, how do you systematically create uh, leadership, and how do you go about this whole idea of truly adding value to your organizations in the form of talent and talent management. She's a phenomenal person. We are so happy to have her as a guest on the show. Hi, everybody. I am sitting here with Manel Josie Yockley, and she's going to give her the background of, uh, of the two different last names, which she's excited to talk about. But she is the founder of Open Elevator. We've uh, connected a couple of times, and I'm just super excited to have her on the show. So, Manel, thanks for, thanks for being on the show with us. Yeah. Hey, Matt. So nice talking to you today. Absolutely. So, obviously, I know you want to explain the, the last name, too, but uh, we'd love just to hear about your background and kind of what led you up to, you know, Open Elevator and all the amazing stuff that you've got going on. Yeah, well, you know what, um, basically I was joking with you that I don't have any uh, straightforward answers and I started already with how do you say my last name, Joshi Yakli, that one J, as I said, um, you do say and the other you don't. So uh, from very, uh, but my lack of straightforward answers kind of start with the fact that I'm Indian, I'm born in uh, Africa and Zambia. 
from my accent, you can tell that I grew up in the U.S. But uh, you know, I was I moved there when I was uh, ten years old, so I have a very good memory of of Zambia as well. Um, I'm a third generation um, of immigrants, so my parents moved from uh, India to. South Africa to Zambia. My grandparents moved to South Africa, and I have moved from Zambia to. It's almost like I forgot what I want to tell you. <laughs> South Africa, from Zambia to the U.S. Um, in Atlanta, Georgia, for a very long time, and in San Jose, California, for a while. And uh, I have been in Switzerland for many years. I used to say exactly how many, but then I thought, mm, it's getting kind of uh, obnoxious. You know, there's a reason I color my hair. So <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> the math there. <laughs> like most people in the world, um, you know, travel is just this fantastic, wonderful thing. You know, we all have our love for the countries we are born in or grew up in and all of that. But... Uh, yeah, nothing like seeing how different people live Absolutely. to, yeah, food, culture, religion, all of that. It's just beautiful, right? So many yeah. things in common, actually. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's amazing how humanity works in all different elements of the, of the world, too. Um, so, cool. So, talk to us a little bit. So, obviously, you, you founder and CEO of Open Elevator. What led up to this business? And ultimately, uh, you know, go ahead and share about the, the company as well, too. But, yeah, what, what led you up to what you're doing now? Okay, so like quick sentences of back, background. I have a um, bachelor's in chemistry um, and I have my MBA. I have worked in um, uh, like in wet chemistry lab to Silicon Valley to um, financial services. Uh, the uh, being a having done technical project management to investor relations for a financial services institution. So these are all very different things. But uh, what led me to Open Elevator were a few things because I have done a lot of different things. And in fact, in different continents, different cultures, different industries, um, I kind of came to a point where I had to think what I wanted to do next. And it was a little bit like, I was always thinking about what it is that I love, what was the what was the red thread in all of these jobs that I like. And I mean, for me, it's very, very obvious, actually. I'm, I'm highly technical, but I'm also very communicative. And that's where these kind of things go together. But as I was really over a very long time confronting this topic, I started to realize how many people around me <laughs> hate their work hate their jobs. And it's kind of amazing because I know that you and I are very much into that topic and it's a human topic, right? I mean, if we talk about travel, or if we talk about love or family, I mean, that's a, these are universal topics. And the heartbreaking and the crazy thing about these statistics that Gallup has, which is 85% of people are disengaged or at least not engaged. If you've ever been ever work in an environment where you just looked forward to the weekend, you kind of made it, you know, with a big sigh on Monday all the way to Friday. <laughs> this is kind of no way to live, you know? It's sad how many people are living that way. I mean, that's it's like we spend so much of our daily lives in work. And if you're doing it and you're miserable, like what a horrible way to live. And yet people feel trapped in that, which it, 
I totally, yep, we've talked about this before. I can completely relate to that. Right. And the crazy thing is, like, even today I was commenting about someone talking about mission and vision and purpose. And I think sometimes it just sounds really dreamy, but real life isn't like that. And, I mean, I think most of your listeners and, you know, we live in first world nations have kind of access to so much education. And still we don't feel like we have a choice every day. So how can we even... Can we even imagine what the rest of the world feels like? So the thing is, um, I, I start to realize this more and more um, as I'm getting older. <laughs> but I guess I'm still very young. Still young. Still young. Still young. Still young because I'm getting younger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, um, I'm very pragmatic in my approach because basically, being like very solutions oriented, it's really nice to. There's so many books on the topic and actually going all the way to um, Peter Drucker, to, you know, who he was already, I mean, I don't know if you know, but he has written multiple books over his career. So um, he's already talking about how that individuals have a certain character that fits to certain jobs. And I mean, of course, people can have a range, right? It's not like I'm saying, you know, I'm supposed to be a policeman and that's all I can do. I don't mean that, but of course, people have a natural aptitude and a natural tendency for what is what they find enjoyable. Like, for example, for me, I can't really be behind the computer and doing analysis. I can't really be in the lab just doing the wet chemistry stuff without interaction with people because I really you know, need that for my personality. And that's true for everybody. So what I, what we started to do was, even though the topic of engagement is very rich and culture and whatnot, a lot of times when people talk about a company, you know, like think of one of these big companies that, you know, IBM, um, uh, even Google is a 70,000 employee company. Huh? I mean, it has this outside um you know, appeal as if it's a startup, but it's, it's far from it. So when we talk about companies and their culture and toxic cultures and all these words that are thrown around, the funny part is if you've ever worked for a company, even a 10 people company, your feeling about that company has so much to do with your specific line manager. And in fact, if you know Gallup, you probably have heard the statistic, which is that even within an organization, employee engagement can vary by up to 70% from manager to manager. Mm. And I think you don't even need to know that statistics. You know that. You know, it's like saying if you go to a university, it might be a great university overall. But if you're in one class versus another, that teacher gives you a very different feeling of how it, what that um, experience is like for you. Yeah. So, you know, I, I know that there's all of these big corporate things. And of course, uh, in German, they say the fish stinks at the head. So there's a lot of like things about leadership and all of this. And there's so many great books already written on this topic. Okay. But sometimes it's like if you've ever gone to a workshop and when you go back, you might be super inspired. But once you're at work, you go back to doing your work like you do. It's, uh, it's the short-term adrenaline shot. You get a little excited. You, you come off the high of whatever new uh, one-liner you learned or book you read or speaker, and then after three days, that sizzle back off, and you're back to normal. It yeah. happens so often, yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. So it's like two things. I'm like kind of like am I, I hope I'm being clear enough so that I don't sound like I'm contradicting myself. But on one hand, 
Um, Gallup is, re, uh, is about to, on the 7th of tomorrow, uh, launch a book called It's the Manager. And on one hand, I'm like, oh my God, I've been saying that for four years. On the other hand, I'm like, I totally disagree with that statement because it's, it's not it's the manager. It's because, for example, um, with our high divorce rate, you wouldn't say it's the men or it's the women, it's the relationship between the two that doesn't work, right? So it's not the manager, it's the relationship with the manager that impacts engagement the most. It is the number one reason why people leave their jobs. In fact, it's 80% of the time. So I kind of want to say, wow, we were so clever to figure this out. But frankly, it kind of happened <laughs> sheer luck. I was having a conversation with a very good friend of mine more than four years ago. And as we were talking, uh, I was talking about looking for a new job and she was talking about looking for a partner in her life. And somehow a conversation I had with my friend Kenny, like more than 15 years ago, kind of hit me over the head. Kenny said, uh, I'm like, if Kenny listens to this, I'm going to have to do his Southern accent. He said, Kenny has met a very good friend of mine, um, uh, um, online. This is like many years ago. So on match.com. And he said, if I ever was looking again, I would use eHarmony. And for some reason that statement stuck with me. And about four or so years ago, as I'm talking to this friend of mine, I was like, well, I've never tried it, but why don't you try it? You know, and so on. And a little while later, a few weeks later, she had tried it and she was complaining about how you have to answer all these questions and whatnot. But as she was complaining, if you can see like a thought bubble over my head, probably being a bad listener, <laughs> um, I thought, wow, that's so brilliant that we can, why don't more employers ask specific questions? Because, and no, I wasn't even thinking about the relationship part. I was just the whole asking questions because I look at menu uh, resumes like I do at menus and most people do as well. If they, if they're, if the, you know, most people probably wouldn't confess that as quickly as I do, but if you've ever hired, that's kind of what you do. You kind of are like, oh yeah, I want to have a salad. So you're just looking, oh, I want to have a, you know, tuna fish. You're just looking for that on the menu, yeah. right? Yep. So when you're hiring and you have resumes, you already have questions in your mind. Like I need that person to know a little bit of Spanish or whatever. And you're just like, where's that Spanish? Well, I, you know, wh whatever it is. Right. So I was like, oh, you know, instead of, and of course, by the way, I mean, this was four or five years ago, but there are many, I think, um, many, many uh, places where actually people are asking a set of questions. So there was nothing unique about it, but I know four years ago, five years ago, doesn't seem like a long time ago, but um, that was not as prevalent then. But at the same time, we started looking into the methodology of um, how, um, how eHarmony and these other dating softwares we're doing some of the other things. And I say some of these others because eHarmony is not the only one. I mean, in fact, like where I live, we have a German version of it. But if you look at these dating sites, they actually are using um, psychometrics. And actually, crazy enough, about 80% of Fortune 500 companies use some kind of psychometrics in their hiring. So basically, what have I told you? We thought about having questions and we thought about psychometrics. 
And I've already told you, most people are doing these things. So what is so interesting about bothering to hire developers developing an algorithm? Well, what we noticed was, first of all, the divorce rate in, um, in Europe and in the U.S. is about 50%. Do you know what the divorce rate of eHarmony is? Have I told you this? No, no, I, I actually have no clue. I couldn't even begin to where to guess. It's less than 4%. Wow. Right? I'm like, why don't they use that in their advertising? Yeah. <laughs> um, this is, this is, do you know, um, quick question there. How many people on eHarmony were previously divorced? Do you know? Oh my gosh, no, I don't. I'd be curious to know that. That would be one interesting stat of think like on dating sites, is it majority of first time married people getting together or is it majority of previously divorced people getting together? Yeah, we'll have, we'll have, we'll have yeah, to look that up. Yeah, that's an interesting point because perhaps, and I don't have absolutely no data on this, but I mean, maybe you think like, well, um, second marriages last longer or something like that. You're wiser or something. I don't know, sure. you know, but I I'm not married. I'm not married, so I'm not credible in this topic at all. So I got, <laughs> I've got nothing to offer. I'm on my second marriage, so I guess I should know something about this, but <laughs> um, I don't. Um, yeah. You know, the thing is, if that number had been just like, let's say, marginally better, like 45, what stuns me is how much it drops like a rock. Incredible. Right? And what we started to do was like, okay, what is it that they're doing? Aha, uh -huh, okay. It's not an, it's almost like saying, well, physics works, you know, whether you're looking at aerodynamics for planes or cars. So, and the funny part is like, I mean, as you can tell, but I think I'm so funny. And so I, <laughs> okay, I don't do accents well, but, um, <laughs> but um, you know, I'm like, I think I'm so unique. What is this? There's a personality assessment and you can figure out how perfect people are. And the crazy part is, okay, so, you know, we were quite fascinated by that. And then we started to look at, okay, and I say we because we founded a company and so it's not just me. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a team behind it. Yeah, absolutely. 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 And I yeah. have to say, clearly I'm no extra uh, introvert, but I, at the beginning, Mine was the one person's photo I didn't want on the site, you know, so I feel like because it's, I'm so passionate about trying to help people with this, that it's the only reason I have to kind of push myself in front of people, if you know what I mean, because it's, I think it, this is really not about me. This is really about the fact that it works so well stuns me every single time. And here's the crazy thing, okay? So we were like, oh, yeah, this should help in hiring because if you get that part right, you know, and we did so much research and all of that and developed an algorithm. And at first, we were just testing amongst everybody that we knew, right? But what we developed was an algorithm. And what we did was only this. It's very simple. It takes three minutes for each app, uh, for each member of your team. So um, like if you were hiring, you would have, you know, you would ask people to have their resume and whatnot, and you'd ask your technical questions. Let's say, I mean, we, we set a minimum, um, a maximum, sorry, of five questions that an employer could ask because we thought, I mean, honestly, if you ask too many questions, you're going to lose a lot of candidates. The other thing is that you might not be clear on what are your no-go and no -go questions if you really just you know, so it's really meant to be used in a very um, 
clean, clear way to say who are technically yes or no, because technical competence, frankly, we all know it is an important part, right? I mean, if I have developers who I like a lot, but don't know how to do how to do development, I'm not going to be able to teach them. Sure. Right? Okay. So there's that pragmatic side, right? So we said, okay, but then we said, okay, now we want to do, if you already know who is technically competent, well, then who is the most compatible with the manager? And in addition, what about the values alignment? So there's two additional things that we provide. One is the compatibility and the values alignment. And the values alignment, it's all about, um, you know, each company has some values, purpose, mission, vision statements. But in general, if you ask people on the street what they value, like work-life balance or um, um um, I don't know, uh, uh, growth opportunities, which most people do want, or meaningfulness of jobs. So there are things that come up every single time if you ask a set of people, uh, a bunch of people. But you see some people want more of X, some people want more of Y, you know, depending on where they are in their lives. So younger people, for example, might want paid, paid training, while someone a little bit later in their career might be more interested in work-life balance and not care at all if you have free training, you know, like, okay, great. That's not changing my, uh, changing my, um, incentive for wanting to work there. So we have this values alignment, just that, you know, people get a clear idea of what they're offering versus what, what people are looking for is a match. So we did that and it was for hiring, but you know, we are really a startup. I mean, I tell you like three, four years that we started to think about the idea and whatnot, right? So getting the algorithm, getting the developers, doing all the testing and on and on. But as we talked to different people, what kind of came into the picture was some people said, well, you know, if I already know the candidate, I don't need him to answer any other questions. Couldn't I just say I have like three top candidates? I just asked him to do the assessment. Well, yeah, sure. Okay, you can do that. And then we had someone say, well, actually, we have um, a turnover issue, but we want to look. So, but more than focusing on who we're bringing in, we want to see how our teams are working together. And this kind of turned out to be the most fun part because now I feel like I'm always encouraging people to do the team assessment first. So I want to backtrack, first of all. I don't know if I mentioned that. I'm not letting you talk at all, Matt. It, it perfect. <laughs> no, this is great. Keep going. This is awesome. This is awesome. Um, you know how uh, I this, said... Oh, the show, this show's about you, so it's perfect. <laughs> um, you know how I said before that, okay, we have the questions and then we do the assessment and there's like Myers-Briggs and DISC and all these other tools. The little thing that we did that is different is where I think the real juice comes in. So a lot of companies, I don't know, I mean, you know, if you've ever had this experience or not so far, but I've had day-long psychological assessments to doing something just online before I do finish an application process or whatever, but a lot of people do that. The thing that we're doing that's unique and where I think it's really value-adding is that we are having the manager or slash the boss, the guy who's actually going to be the one responsible for this new hire, also do the assessment. So we're not saying this person is outgoing and they are a team player. We're not saying that at all because the point is that we get so busy when we're hiring, assessing the heck out of the applicants. And the assumption is that, well, I call it the Cinderella hiring process because 
As you know, in that fairy tale, there are two main characters, Cinderella and the prince. And Cinderella, you know, you know, she can sing and dance and she's a good person and she can, um, she has all these animal friends. And what do we know about the prince? Nothing, right? I mean, that he's hiring. Yeah, know, exactly. <laughs> right? And like, of course, in that story, they live happily ever after. But that's because it's a fairy tale. And in real life, what happens is that you and I meet. And it's almost like if we would have uh, go for a coffee a few times. And then we decide to work together. And I mean, you know, even with my friends, I'm like, well, I know that we like each other. But it would be two and a half weeks, a three-week honeymoon period before you realize, oh, I cannot work with her, you know? The thing about working with someone and being friends with someone, I mean, you know this, right? People who start companies with their best friends, the reason we we like people when we work with them is different than you can like everybody if you're not depending on them to deliver, actually. So I would really like to, um, you know, see people go into work. And of course, like, um, you know how it's this uh, uh, classic Maslow's, you know, we, we try to do what's good for us. Um, I mean, the basic need we have is safety and security, right? Like we have mortgages and kids and all of that stuff. And then after that, we all want growth and and uh, significance and then connection and finally purpose and meaning. And the thing about it is I'm like, well, you know, when we are today talking about diversity, thankfully it's followed up by the phrase inclusion, because of course, if you have diversity, you know, all these people sitting around the table, different colors and heights and whatever. But if, the opinions aren't included, then you definitely aren't going to have that best of ideas show up, through, you know, without inclusion. But the crazy thing is, in, for inclusion to take place, there needs to be some kind of a connection. And what are and connection happens on similarities, you know. Like if I, um, I mean, we've talked about. I mean, you and I are pretty different in a certain way, right? Like, I mean. <laughs> One of us is older, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, when we talk, but we have like this common ideal goal that people are happier at work and that's where we connect. So basically, and I, you know, we talked earlier about travel and I wanted to joke with you that because I am from different continents and countries and my husband is half uh, Swiss and half Finnish. So I feel like wherever I am, I kind of find a way that we're almost related, aren't we? Exactly. <laughs> um, so we connect on similarities. So even for diversity and inclusion, I think this is really a great place to start because if you have a connection, even that you're both very, you know, um, uh, communicative or you're both very structured. So at some core, there's this. Um, connection, but that leads you to be more open to all the other diverse part of the other person, if if you know what I mean. Because one of the things I find is that we have uh, certain organizations that are having, um, I, I, don't, I don't really know if it's a good or bad, really, in a way. Uh, I find it difficult to say, um, and I'm pretty opinionated, if having quotas, you know, uh, of like, as I said, I was at this conference last week and they were talking about, 
Oh, um, it's a great thing that now X out of Y companies have quotas on how many women they should have. And I, I, I kind of think, it honestly makes me very uncomfortable. You know, I don't want to be that quota higher. You know, I, I, I mark, a, I, I can check mark a lot of things if you hire me, by the way, I'm a great diversity play, but, but I don't want to be hired for that reason. And you want to be hired. I, I feel like people want to be hired because they're the most qualified candidate, not because, you know, any anything. Really, yeah, I, I, I can imagine how if you knew you were the isolated candidate that was hired or hitting the number, that would be, a, I would imagine, a pretty isolated feeling. That would be naturally the diversity side, but not the inclusion side if you were a quota hit. So I, I, I get that. Exactly. And, you know, I do have because I'm talking about like you, right, we're talking about this topic all the time, right? I mean, we're talking about this all the time. And the funny part is I have people say, oh yeah, you know, we have this uh, woman that we've hired, you know, we have this diversity program and oh, we're going to have layoffs and guess who I can't fire and guess who's the most underperforming. And I feel so embarrassed, you know, and I think, I don't know. I mean, not, I mean, I feel like that is the worst situation. On the other hand, it's like, that's why I'm like, you know, of course skills are important and on top of that, some kind of common ground. Um, because this is why we've been hiring. You know, if you look at a at an organization that's been hiring similar people, well, that's because that's the only proxy we have. The demographic uh, differences are the only proxy we have of connection until we get to know somebody more. So if we're going to use something, it would be better to use a working style and I know that it's accurate because what happens is, you know, when I sit there, if somebody has done this very simple assessment, they're like, yep, have challenges with that person and works really easily with the other person. You know, I think, yeah, of course. And that's amazing. Right. I mean, sorry, I have to say it like it. it I find that amazing that yeah. we can say, wow, who do you have a better, easier time working with? You know, and um if that's understood more, um, uh, Ray Dalio is talking about it a lot, about having a systematic scientific approach. And I'm like, this is what he's talking about, guys. Just use this. This is what he's talking about, you know. Um, but otherwise, I think it's hard to get attention. Uh, I mean, I'm like talking your head off about this, but it's hard Great. to get attention. Right. Over the all of the blah, blah. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of very sweet blah, blah, if you know what I mean. Like, it's really heartwarming, inspiring, loving, but it doesn't move the needle. Well, yeah, exactly. What happens when the when the heartwarming, the good ideas go into practical workplaces and companies get either, you know, in a bad financial circumstance, you got to fire somebody. That's when the that's when the fun, loving conversations get really practical and that gets really hard in a hurry that I feel like I, that's it's it's a tough thing. But I think it's important to have discussions like these because I don't think many people are able to be that direct and honest about it. That's why I appreciate talking to you about it, because you're not afraid to, one, understand why companies are doing it a lot of different ways. But secondly, get pretty practical about it, too, which is cool. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So one of the one of the questions I want to I want to um, lead you with is uh, what through all this is the biggest impact you hope to have? If you if you w woke up tomorrow and you were doing it and it was the impact that you had, what would that look like? So actually. 
Ugh, two things. I want to say so much that I'm like, oh, it's do it, do it, good. You know? um, I would love for companies to come back and say, wow, we really brought down our turnover and our engagement went up. Now, the engagement went up. There's there's companies, and I will not name names, <laughs> that have uh, strange engagement surveys that they do for companies just to make the company management feel good. I don't know if you know about this, so that's why I'm being kind of – I mean, you said I was direct, but, you know, it's not just me and you talking now. So I and I don't really want to put down everybody. You know, it's not that I go around thinking oh, everybody's an idiot. It's not yeah. that. But of course, there's a lot of uh, polishing happening with the numbers to make people. Oh, this year on this division did better and this geography did better. So it becomes like this internal game. Having said that, it's very hard or it's much harder to do that with turnover. Right. And turnover is very straightforward. I mean, there is a certain turnover that companies feel. And I guess, yeah, it's true. That's healthy. Right. People move on at some point and what, whatever. That's normal. But I would like to see that number help companies really bring it down to a reasonable number that is like, yeah, you know, when people leave at some point, we don't have more than that growth to offer them. And therefore they go and they always can come back in a way if whatever, but not in this revolving door or especially this internal mobility. That's kind of a, um, you know, people stick around just uh, long enough to not have any impact, but can like musical chairs. So there's that. On the other hand, I'd also love to do for nonprofits, exactly this. And I'm constantly trying to figure out who to speak to that I can actually for free offer this to a nonprofit because in the nonprofit um, space, this is also a huge issue, turnover on honestly. And uh, they have even fewer resources. So like, <laughs> it's such a pipe dream, but... <laughs> Um, uh, you know, like, uh, for example, um, Melinda and Bill Gates Foundation, especially working, you know, across the globe and in Africa and whatnot, I would love to say, hey, guys, we've already built the platform, just use it, you know, yeah. so I'm, I'm trying. And so a couple of times I've been kind of having conversations with people who are in the nonprofit, but I haven't seen it uh go to, to the, my, my, I have not had the success to talk to the right person who could decide that they try it, you know? And again, I mean, you heard it, right? I said, I would love for them to use it for free because if they would get the, so I'm a huge fan of, yes, I don't finish sentences. Somebody told me that last week. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, I'm a huge fan of uh, Jim Collins. You know, he's most well known for, um, Books like Good to Great and Built to Last. Um, you know, he says that he writes about uh, business because we have the most um, um, comparable data there. But in a way, he's what he's talking about is really you could use it for churches and a lot of different, you know, when people come together, issues are going to show up. You can kind of put it that way. And uh in the nonprofit sector, it's also the same thing, right? Which is that um, you have people who have different ideas, values, um, uh, working styles. And if you can get some the right people on the bus in the right seat, this is really just to quote him. I mean, I don't, you know, getting the right people, on the, getting the right people on the bus. That's a uh, Jim Collins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, is there, uh, I want to obviously say thank you so much for, for being on this, but is there any closing statements or anything you want to leave the audience with? 
you know, if they don't know about systematic approaches, at least look into it. I'm always up for call. They can connect with me on LinkedIn. We can set up a half hour. I can tell them how it works. There's so much information about this because as I mentioned, this is like physics, right? We don't own the physics. Sometimes people have asked me, what kind of IP do you have on this? And I'm like, well, if I have a great ice cream recipe, you know, I mean, I don't mind telling people what it is because there's so many people who want to eat ice cream. So it's, I think the way we've done it our implementation, I, we've tried to make it as user-friendly as possible. It's definitely not an Apple product, so it's not, I think, you know, as far as being beautiful and elegant. Mm, I don't know. But, Gets the job done, though. <laughs> yeah, it, we, we've tried to make it as easy, straightforward. You know, when I say the person who launches thing to register, to do the assessment, and to include all the email addresses takes 10 minutes. And for each person that gets the invitation, it takes really three minutes. And the fact that it's accurate, I think it can really help people move from this guesswork, take the whole three weeks of regret showing up and, you know, stopping to say, well, oh, it's a bad manager or oh, it's an awful employee. Sometimes it's not the right relationship, you know. And if you get people in the right relationship, you're really getting you're really hitting it quite, you know, like out of the ballpark, really, right? Because what you will do for your boss, if you like him and the other way around, you'll go the extra mile. And that already gives you meaning because you're like, hey, you know what? Um, uh, that's uh, actually, I like how Brene Brown says this, that connection is the foundation of safety. So, you know, we talk about safety and security, that people open their, give their opinion voice their opinion. Um, so um, people are more likely to bring their ideas to the table if they have a good relationship with their boss. And it's the foundation of meaning and purpose. So just, you know, you might not be saving cancer patients, but whatever you do in your company, if you feel like you're part of that team with your boss, that already can be very meaningful for people, you know? So it's such a um, cool place to be to Love it. work that. That's awesome. That's great. Well, Manel, thank you so much. Uh, this has been awesome. Thanks for being on the show. Um, yeah, we uh, we are just thrilled to have you. And I yeah, love what you're doing. And hopefully I can help down the road, too. Yeah, also the other way around. So, yeah. Perfect. Nice talking to you.